Welcome to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you haven't joined us before, we're passionate about all things internal medicine and helping you become the best tech you can be. We'll be discussing interesting internal medicine diseases, how to work closely with pet parents, and how to become the go-to tech in your practice. Now, let's start the show. So, hold on, guys. I know, you're totally expecting IBD episode right now, but Jordan and I just got to hang out with a really cool person, and we're going to sneak this episode in. So, we promise, we promise, IBD part two <laughs> will be next week. So, are you, are you guys cool with that? Jordan, do you think they'll be cool with that? I think so, just because our guest is pretty freaking awesome. I know. Oh my God. We got to hang out with a really cool person. Okay. But before we spoil it, let's just start the episode. Yes. Ready? Here we go. So welcome back to the internal medicine for vet techs podcast. Um, today it's, it's a little bit of a different one. So we're kind of excited who we are. I am Yvonne Brandenburg. And of course I am joined by Jordan Porter. Hello. Hello. Hey girl. And then, oh, Wait, who? There's there's more than two of us today. There's a third co-host today. Ooh, so we are very excited to be joined by none other than the singing vet tech, Miss Kelsey Beth Carpenter. Ooh, thank you guys for having me. I'm very excited <laughs> to be in the presence We're- of two other veterinary technicians and VTSs. I know it's it. It's kind of cool because it's just vet techs. I know. Let's, let's be real. There's no doctors here. And we heard that this is Kelsey's first vet tech podcast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So <gasps> boop, boop, boop. I know. we get to be the first ones, guys. It's kind of it's kind of cool. Kind of a big deal. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> hello. Well, okay. So let's just pretend someone doesn't actually know who the heck Kelsey Beth Carpenter is. Yeah, I don't know. Tell me. You don't know who you are? Okay. <laughs> so, uh, Kelsey Beth Carpenter, you are a registered veterinary technician in the state of California. Mm-hmm. And you can, she, so first of all, she lives in the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area, which is funny because I think we're like an hour apart. We yep. realized mm-hmm. and our paths have crossed a few times. Um, but you work in a 24 hour practice, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. You are the social media manager for drandywork.com, which holy crap, kind of amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you have that tech music. And I think is, is your dog ate weed? Is that the first one? Is that the newest it's like one? The one that, that took, Took off, I suppose. That's, that's I the get, one everybody knows re- about. <laughs> yeah. I've gotten referred to as the dog ate weed girl a couple times. So I feel like that's like the song. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> that's like, that's your handle. Like you're yeah, like, <laughs> dog ate weed. And by the way, we're totally putting links to your songs <laughs> oh, in, awesome. in our notes because if you have not heard Kelsey sing, it's kind of amazing. So we have. Birdie, you're a chihuahua. Mm-hmm, She's mm-hmm. adorable. She features in many a picture. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We have um, on your social media, you have right now, you have things hurt at an animal hospital, which 
they always crack me up because I'm like <laughs> so inappropriate and amazing like, and you really only hear it in a bed. The struggle awesome. of that series is that it is only in it. Like the number of submissions I get that have something to do with buttholes is overwhelming. <laughs> like, I have to try to space it out, but it's really impossible. I know because I was thinking about that the other day because I was like cleaning up a patient. I was like, oh, your butthole's so dirty. And yeah. I was like, that's something you wouldn't say normally. Exactly. I was like, hopefully. I mean, like, I do I do love that run, though, of, like, just Instagram things of, like, things heard at a hospital. Yeah. I was like, ah, oh. the testicle one lately was really funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's some good ones. Yeah. The other one that I... <laughs> that kills me is the bad stock photos of vet med. By the way, I think I have like 30,000 submissions that I need to send to you because I look for these images all the time for the oh, podcast. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, what are you doing? Like what? nobody does anything like that. And yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I started it because I was having to pick photos for the Dr. Andy Rourke site. And honestly, that is one of the hardest things yeah. in the yes. world. It sounds so straightforward, but no. good Lord, the kind of stuff that is out there on stock photo websites is upsetting. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah we have, we, we have ours that we use and I'm just like, I'm just trying no, to find some why? animal photos that don't look ridiculous. Right? I know. Like, especially yeah. when we're searching for like sick animals, like we're like sick right. cat. And then the things that, I saw disturbing. Yeah. I was like, I just want to make a blog post. Hang on. (laughs) (laughs) And then fecal files. I think fecal files is what, which one's fecal files? Is that where they bring all the fecal? Yeah. So what people bring their fecal samples in, in. and then I have the yellow pages for urine samples because people kept message me like, well, what about the urine? Like I have these funny things for urine samples. So I was like, okay, it'll get its own thing. But yeah, like some, People, I'll just say, people are creative. People are yeah. very creative. <laughs> what yeah, I was going to say, in internal medicine, we see all the fecals and all the yellows mm-hmm. that come in. Yep, yep. I like and it I've when taken really pictures of stuff. Yeah, when urine's brought in in just a Ziploc bag. Like, it's not. Yeah, but even that to me is, like, so normal compared to, like, I don't know, someone, like, someone sent me a picture of a shot glass the other day. Like, a legit yes. shot like glass. Like, a shot like, glass? Like, how did, why? did they saran wrap it? I know exactly. Well, and then like I had a, um, there's one, I don't know if I've posted it yet. Like one of the best fecal file submissions I've ever gotten. I don't have it on me right now to quote who gave it to me, but I will when I post it, if I haven't done that yet. Yeah. And we so can put someone it on brought the in too. a fecal sample in a Viagra prescription bottle. Like, why? <laughs> Out of all the containers in your home, that's what you reached for? Like, apparently that's the only one they have. So. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's, it's interesting what people... That's hilarious. And then I think probably one of my favorite things that you do is your postscription, which I saw yes. that you you actually completed your own postscription this week by getting sleep. Right? I did. I did. Yeah. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I was going to ask you about that. I was like, how's it going? Yeah, right. No, yeah, that's that's literally what that is, is I just post whatever I'm going to work on that week. And then, like, I've lucked out and that other people have been like, oh, I'll work on that too. But that's, like, literally that's where it comes from. It's just, what am I going to work on? (laughs) Yeah. I love that because it's so, it's such an important, like, topic right now, like, discussing Mm -hmm. mental health and stuff like that. And the way you kind of, like, put it out there is very 
very simple and just like, no, seriously, just take a nap or like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for saying that. No. Yeah. I like it. it. It, I was a little nervous starting that just because like, obviously like I'm not, um, like qualified to be doing anything <laughs> mental yeah. related, but I do find like for myself, like it gets really frustrating to hear about self-care all the time. And I'm like, yeah. I don't know self-care. Like, where am I supposed to start? And so then like, I was like, okay, I'm just going to dumb this down and start at like the most basic level I yeah. possibly can for myself. And then unfortunately other people are in the same boat as me where they're like, yeah, I'm at basic level too. So now we're just doing that together, but it is kind of nice having other people to do it with. So you kind of yeah. feel like accountable but it's not like these big like sweeping like i'm gonna go to the gym five times this week like yeah we're starting like at pre we're not even at step one yet we are still in like preparation for step one like (laughs) we haven't even left the house yet hold on (laughs) my shoes aren't even on yeah right no wait step one or 0.1 is find my shoes yeah (laughs) i do love it though because it's like it's that sense of like permission that you didn't really know you needed where you're like yeah you know what it is okay to just take a nap and like it is okay to just go out to lunch or like have a glass of wine or whatever but it's just that sense of like permission and like it's okay but Mm -hmm, you're too busy to sit down and really think of like what you need right absolutely yeah Yeah. putting things like naps on my to-do list was one of the most life-changing things I ever did for sure (laughs) yeah I love it yeah and and I can't remember so a couple it's probably been a couple of months ago where you kind of talked about it and I can't remember if it was in the postscription or if it just was in something (laughs) just your social media yeah um (laughs) Uh, you talked about making sure that we know like what Facebook groups and stuff we were in and oh, that you yeah. kind of I can't took a break either. out of some of them yeah. and then you shared a bunch that you thought were positive. And it was really cool because I actually was like, oh, let me go check those out. And so I yeah. found a couple of them. But Oh, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. No, I can't remember. Either. I don't think that was part of postscription, but it's the same exact concept, which is like. I was having a hard time because I do social media for a living. And so Mm -hmm. it's very difficult to then create your work-life balance when they are all on the same platform. Um, And I was starting to feel like I hate social media and that makes then my job very difficult and I can't afford to hate social media. So then I was like, I, I needed to figure out a way to not hate it. And like for a while, it was just like me not posting on my own personal page like, or on my, like on my vet tech Kelsey page. But then I was like, that's not making me any happier. Like, cause mm. posting on there makes me happy. So what yeah. is it? And I realized like cutting back on the number of like veterinary groups I was in made a huge difference. Not because those veterinary groups are doing anything wrong by any means, but I just like realized I had tapped out in my capacity to take in veterinary sadness. Like when I got home from a day of taking care of a patient all day and then had to euthanize it. Like the next thing I see on Facebook being a sad case of a pet being euthanized, like I don't need, I can't, I don't have the space for that in my head or my heart right now. Like, and then like at some point maybe I will, which will be great. And then I'll join back up again, but it did actually make a surprisingly big difference. Yeah. I think that's great. Yvonne and I actually talked about that. What within the last week about like just making sure that you and I were like, okay, cause we've gotten so busy Mm-hmm. That, like mm-hmm. we don't we'll go like a week without talking and then we'll like sit and talk and we'll be like okay like are you okay like we're stressed so, like it's taking me a while to like get this done and like I feel bad and so but and then we were yeah. discussing like the negativity just kind of like 
that surrounds this field that we're all aware of. But yeah, trying to like take a step back from that, it can be like a little difficult. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think one of the things we talked about too, which was interesting was, and, and, you know, again, none of us are psychiatrists no, yeah, exactly. working through this <laughs> stuff. Right. Um, it was interesting thinking about like, you know, when you surround yourself with things that you want to be, it's a kind of this weird concept, right? Like if you are looking for happy stuff, you're going to see happy stuff mm -hmm. Yeah. versus yeah. like, if you're looking for negative stuff, that's what you're going to see, which, I mean, it's just how we humans are kind of wired. Mm -hmm. And so to me, it's like, okay, well, I want to be more positive. So I'm going to try to surround myself with more positive stuff, even mm -hmm. when I don't always feel like that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Absolutely. And, and I think, I think the postscription is really cool because it plays into that too, which is nice. Cause well, and I think also it's like, it's hard. Like, oh yeah. And I, understatement of the century, right? <laughs> um, it's all I also, I think it comes a little bit down to, to like, okay, like, like nail trims or something like they're like, we could do them with our eyes closed, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're, they're mm -hmm. so simple to us that it's almost to the point where it's hard to teach someone how to do a nail trim because well, you are so... talking to internal medicine text. Okay. We don't, <laughs> we don't do nail trims anymore. Okay. So blood transfusions. Okay. Uh -huh. <laughs> so easy yeah. <laughs> no. but like there's those things where yeah sometimes I think like as a psychiatrist there's so much experience and so much knowledge there that like maybe it's almost hard to dumb it down enough that whereas yeah. like, I've got no experience no knowledge that like maybe that helps in some aspects because it's so basic yeah <laughs> no I totally and, understand and you're, what you're saying and you're like you, you are us like we are you right right you are us right and so it's it's the stuff we struggle with is the same thing you struggle with. And so when somebody can kind of point it out, you go, Oh yeah. Well, yeah. Just, Oh my God. <laughs> I was blown away. With. One of the first postscriptions I ever posted, I mentioned in the post, I can't remember what the actual post was about, but I mentioned in it how after my week of work, my first day off, I, I, I often don't like I am, a sack of potatoes like mm -hmm. i yeah. don't shower i don't get dressed i don't do anything but watch netflix like i just have i'm so exhausted and i was overwhelmed with like how many people commented they're like i do the exact same thing mm -hmm. and there's such a shared experience among us as veterinary professionals mm -hmm. but especially as veterinary technicians that it's like kind of, it makes you feel a little less guilty when you're like okay well i'm not the only one doing this yeah <laughs> Yeah. yeah. I think that goes back to the, it's just that sense of like permission. Like it's like, yeah, Oh, okay. Exactly. Well, you know what? They're doing it. Like, so I don't feel as bad when, I mean, hell I have tomorrow off and I do yeah. not plan on like leaving my hoodie. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> oh my God. I'm so jealous. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean like, yeah, it's just a, it's, it's wonderful what you're doing and it's fun to watch Thank because like guys. too, I think it's great to like, remind yourself though to put yourself try to put yourself in those situations where it is going to be positive so like when we were at vmx mm. like you know mm -hmm. that feeling of like just how excited everybody was to like learn new things and meet new people right like, that's why i love going to conferences and like oh my gosh yeah it was such a amazing experience that like even if i went to a lecture that didn't really like stimulate me it was still like mm -hmm. a fun experience like it was really really great so i think trying to remember to put yourself in situations like that though too is pretty important Absolutely. Yeah. That was like, 
I didn't realize how much I needed that VMX experience. I was excited for it, but I didn't realize that I actually like needed that really yeah. badly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're like, I'm exhausted, but like I feel better. Like that was like the inspiration and like rejuvenation I needed. Yeah. I think that's something that people forget about with conferences is yeah. yes, the lectures, don't get me wrong, the CE and the lectures are definitely a huge part of it. But it's it's the whole experience, right? I, I mean, I think every time I come home from a vet conference, I'm so excited and pumped for my job. Yes. And it's like you meet all these great people and you have like all these huge ideas. And it's sometimes it's hard to go back to the real world. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, and you're like, yeah. oh, right. Okay. <laughs> but yeah. But yeah, going to the conferences, like even if it's a local conference and it's not a giant mm-hmm. national or international conference, you're you're still there with like people that are are just like you and you're geeking out and you're there to learn and you're there to yes. like talk to people. And so going to conferences is huge. It's huge. Absolutely. Yeah. If, if if people can, like people that are out there listening to us, if you can <laughs> go to a conference, definitely do it. It's it's CE that there's just so much to it. It's not just about learning and the lectures and stuff like that, but it's, it's about connecting. I've heard, I heard recently of a really good conference. What was that called again? (laughs) (laughs) What conference? Which one are you referring to? Is it maybe the uncharted veterinary conference? Yeah. yeah. Where is that? (laughs) That's on a cruise ship, right? We were just talking about that. Our unofficial slogan is we're not on a boat. (laughs) I think you should just make that as a shirt. Yeah. We started. We're not on a boat. We're not on a boat. (laughs) If you want a fun conference, hit up the Uncharted Conference in Greenville, South Carolina. Greenville, South Carolina, which is close to me. Yeah. (laughs) That's coming up in a couple of months, right? Or is it the end of the year? When is it? Yeah. So our next one is in April and that's sort of like our oh, big God. annual one in Greenville, South Carolina, which was a place I had never been until Uncharted and is so beautiful. Like it's mm. ridiculous. I never would have guessed. So yeah, that's a really cool. It's, I feel very lucky to be part of that conference because it's a really, that's another area where like, so going to conferences, like so rejuvenating. We're talking about like being around your people. I really like being part of Uncharted because we do like a, um, this is not meant to be like a sales pitch at all. This is like a genuine, like (laughs) we have an online group where we all can message each other and ask questions and all this stuff where like, you can't always do that in the clinic to your coworker. Yeah. You can't always come home to your spouse or your child and talk about what just happened. You know, like it's nice to have a place where you can go no matter what it is that you're dealing with or you have questions about. And it's, it feels very similar to that kind of rejuvenation you get when you go to a conference and you're physically in that space with all these people who understand what you're going through. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely have to put links in the show notes about that. So yeah. Yeah. So what you're talking about, is that like an adjunct to the actual physical conference? Yeah. So it's like, if you, you can sign up for like just an online membership, I say just, but it's not really just, um, and, and then you're just part of this online community, or you can also add on the in-person conferences as well. I always tell people they should do both because then you get to meet in person the people you've been developing these relationships with or will continue yeah. to develop relationships with. Awesome. That's but it's really totally cool. necessary. Like we have plenty of people who do uh, just the online version and it's still like, I don't know, it's just, it's like a very safe space, you know, it's, 
it's yeah. nice. I wish there were more safe spaces like that for us in veterinary yeah. medicine. Yeah. That is awesome. We'll have to, we'll definitely put a link to that in the show notes and then, um, I have uh, to check it out. Yeah, I, I gotta check it didn't out. Realize that it was like this online space too. Yeah, so. me either. And plus, I'm That's always really cool. trying to recruit more veterinary technicians. Of course, uh-huh. <laughs> my secret agenda. <laughs> <laughs> That's because we just should rule the world. Exactly. So we kind of originally got you on the show though to talk about your open hospital, which I know my clinic. I mean, we allow people to come back in the back and like watch their ultrasound and talk to our doctor and stuff like that. But other than that, like, it's not, it's not an open hospital. So I'm interested to hear how that works for you guys. Yeah. Okay. Hold on. First of all. Okay. Okay. I heard you talk about it previously and it terrifies me. Mm -hmm. So go ahead. Now you can talk about it. Okay. (laughs) Well, first I just have to state for anyone listening that when first asked to be on this podcast, I was like, oh my God, I'm so intimidated. You're both VTSs. I can't talk about anything medical with you guys. But I was like, okay, I'll Dude, talk about legit. The She's like, I'm sorry. I don't think I should be on the podcast. And I was like, shut <laughs> up. I was like, like, too intimidated. No, you're a vet tech, we're vet tech, whatever. And, and she's like, no, I don't, I can't, I can't talk about <laughs> internal medicine. I'm like, you don't have to talk about internal medicine. <laughs> we, we, I mean, if, cause we talk client communication a hell of a lot. Um, so important one. yeah. And I feel like that will kind of fall into your open hospital cause you got to talk to your client about what you're doing. Yeah. Like as they're visit, like visibly watching you do stuff to their pet. Absolutely. Well, so I, I'll just like give you my little rant here, but <laughs> you're going to have to cut me off at some point, like do one of those beeps. And then like, it's called, um, it's called the vet tech soapbox. Mm-hmm. You're yeah, on okay. it. Vet tech soapbox stepping up here. <laughs> I am so crazy passionate about the open hospital thing. Like it's crazy. And you can ask, I'm pretty sure any, literally any person that works in the hospital I'm at currently and they would all give you the same answer which is it terrified me when I first showed up here and now I could never imagine going back to like sort of the standard version of how we run the hospitals so and there's like a lot I think there's like 150 employees so like we're we're not crazy I promise it (laughs) like something's working I would if I didn't work there I'd be like nope they're crazy but like it, it truly it it, we're not, we're okay. We're a little crazy, but not completely crazy. But basically the concept is, you know, it's not what I think what people really freak out about is that when you think about open hospital hospital, for some reason, uh, people's minds go straight to this like free for all that like clients are just like running around the hospital doing whatever they please among the controlled substances and expensive machinery and just you know <laughs> having a blast and that's not at all the case it's much more like I always say picture going to the pediatrician office with your child you're still going to be escorted by a nurse um, or some type of assistant to get the weight and temp and stuff mm-hmm. and then go into the exam room and the doctor talks to you. If you have to go get an x-ray or something, you might get to go with your child, but you don't actually get to go in the x-ray room. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's the concept of keeping the animal and the pet parent together as much as possible, but still maintaining safety and still maintaining boundaries um, so that we can all do what we need to do. So it's not just uh, clients running throughout the hospital doing whatever they please. Um, yeah. But essentially, I mean, there's so many things about it, but one of the things, because you guys are vet techs, I think you, you might also get this, especially as quite advanced vet techs. (laughs) I have never, um, felt 
that my, my skills or my knowledge were well represented to clients until working mm. in the open hospital. So mm. when I think back to like what my role was in old hospitals, it was a lot of going over estimates, bringing the pet back and explaining what I did, going over discharges. Like it's a lot of client education and communication, which is great. Mm-hmm. But there wasn't a lot of like, look what I can do. You guys know that character from Mad TV? Stuart. Yeah. Stuart. Look Stuart. what I can do. I love him. <laughs> it just made me think of that. There, in the open hospital, the difference is they're sitting there as I'm giving the subcutaneous fluids and explaining to them what they are. Or they're sitting there while I'm doing the cystocentesis with a blood draw. I feel like as a veterinary technician – I get to demonstrate my skill so much more and people understand what I do as a veterinary technician so Mm. much more. I feel so much more respected. I feel so much more um, like you guys have probably experienced this this too in other hospitals where everyone is working as a team on some big case. You are successful. That case goes home. You get a thank you note from the client that says, mm-hmm. thank you so much, Dr. Stewart. <laughs> and that's it. Right? Yeah. And staff. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And you're like, oh, Versus, thanks. It blows my mind. Like I remember the first time I got a personal letter from a client mm. because I had worked one-on-one on that pet and I like in front of that client, we had to talk to each other or that client sat back in ICU for several hours while I worked on their patient. Like they got to know me and talk to me and see who I was. So like the vast majority of our thank you cards are like notated to like very specific people. And it ranges from our CSRs or our front desk staff all the way through our technicians, our doctors, everyone, because Mm. there's much more one-on-one contact in a more meaningful way. So that's why it's a little bit of a soapbox for me is I just feel like it actually, I think technicians, it's, it's the scariest concept for us as technicians, because Mm -hmm. I think it puts us in the most vulnerable place compared to every other role in the hospital. But I think it also benefits us the most because Mm. what is going to long-term, what is going to benefit our field and specifically our role within our field is people knowing what we do and what we're capable of and what it means to be a veterinary technician and what the heck a veterinary technician is. Mm -hmm. And I think actually showing them is the way to do that. And that will ultimately be what kind of helps get us the recognition we need. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. I never wow. thought of it that way. But this, this I want to just be like preach sister. Right? <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, dang, okay. yeah. Yeah. It leads me to a question though. Like explain to me the process then when you have like a difficult patient, like, yes. Cause so, I mean, it happens. Yeah. That idea terrifies blood and me. <laughs> dogs or cats scream or they just really absolutely. wiggle and they're just difficult. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So one of the things I always say is like, the secret to a successful open hospital is scripts. And I don't mean like it needs to be a word for word script, but having people prepared with how to navigate those situations Mm -hmm. instead of like having Mm. to stumble over things. So when I first started there, that was what I studied. I would go into the rooms and just restrain the patient and let you know, the technician who was doing the blood draw kind of guide the conversation. And that's what I would study. It was not how they were doing their blood draw. It was how were they talking through what we experienced. Exactly. Because once you have the right script and the right way to handle those things, it's actually not that complicated. So one example I'll give, we would think as the perfectionists that we are as veterinary professionals, that missing a blood draw on the first poke in front of a client would be the end of the world, right? Like Mm -hmm. that just sounds horrifying. Like that 
like creates physical anxiety in your body. Stress yeah. sweat. Like, it's fine. Yeah, yeah exactly. the sweat is coming. Um, <laughs> but what's funny, more often than not, the response I get is, oh, Fluffy, you must have veins just like mommy. You know, because if you think oh. about it, clients are people who are getting blood draws as well. They also experience having blood draws missed all the time. If anything, more so than the pets because human blood draws are very difficult. And like I know my mm. dad, for example, um, he's a difficult blood draw or a difficult IV catheter placement. So if he watches his dog get poked twice, it's no big deal because he was poked four times the last time he was in the hospital. So that's one thing we forget is they've got something to compare it to and it's mm. personal experience. Now, that being said, it can go in the other direction, right? And people can be stressed. Don't poke. You better get it the first time. Or like my favorite is the um, <laughs> the one thing I find difficult to work through is the the people who do, do the oh yeah every time you go to like make a move <laughs> oh my god <laughs> gets to be a bit much. But that's where like the client education comes in, and also just being compassionate. So like for me. If I sense that someone is stressed or uncomfortable or anything like that, I just relate it to like, what would I be feeling like? So the other day mm. I, we were doing blood draw on a really tiny little chihuahua. It was a difficult blood draw. And I just said to the owner, the first attempt did not go well. We were unsuccessful. And I just said to the owner, I'm so sorry. I know how hard this is. My chihuahua had to get blood drawn a couple weeks ago for her dental and it took three tries and it was really tough. So I know this is really hard to sit through. Like, and honestly, mm. like that's part of where it comes in. It's just if they know that you're trying, that you're doing everything you can and that you understand, I guess, the how important it is not to just poke around or whatever, you know, like yeah, people yeah. see the compassion it's not always going to be great, but that's also where like um, some of our resources have to come in too. So like hospitals empowering their veterinary technicians to make the call or listening to their recommendations when a patient might need sedation or things mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. um, that becomes really important too. There's, and I could talk for forever, but like it, it, there's a lot <laughs> of things that go into it. Definitely there are difficult situations part of it is learning how to talk through it, how to connect with people so that they know that this matters to you as much as it does to them. Utilizing things like fear-free is such a big deal, like finding ways to get the client involved that make the patient actually more, more receptive to what we're doing. Like I can't tell you how many mm. times we've had patients that were really difficult blood draws, but as soon as we got the client involved and we're just petting their head or talking to them, suddenly that pet held still for their blood draw. Hmm. So I would say there are going to be times that are very tough, but more often than not, I find it to be quite seamless. I had posted yeah. once, I did a takeover on the Dr. Andy Rourke Instagram, mm -hmm. and I posted once this uh, clip of um, two technicians I work with doing a blood draw on a cat with the owner present. And it had actually been the owner that asked, because we knew each other, she follows my vet tech Kelsey page, she saw I was going to be doing this, and she specifically requested that her cat's blood draw be on this Instagram takeover because she wanted other people to see how great the open hospital is and how much she loves Aww. it as a client and as a pet owner. But I got a couple of responses on that video that were like, you know, you really shouldn't be posting this because it's not an accurate representation of how a blood draw usually goes with a cat because it was so smooth. And I'm like, but the thing is, this is actually the majority of how yeah. it happens. It's the minority that are the difficult situations. Hmm. And even those don't have to be too difficult 
I don't know if I'm explaining that well, but <laughs> no, I like that. Yeah. But if some people are thinking that cat draws are difficult and it, like more so than, I mean, we have a few, but you're right. Like the majority of my cat blood draws go pretty seamlessly. Yeah. And yeah. so I think it needs to kind of put into perspective for other technicians to be like, okay, well, they should be going seamlessly. Why are right. they so stressful? Like what yeah. should we be doing differently <laughs> in order to make this go better? Yeah, I think absolutely. that's the whole like, I mean, I, I haven't done the fear free thing, but um, I remember when I was teaching students, I was like, less is more with caps. Oh, yeah. Like if you mm -hmm. start just like, and, and I don't think I've worked with I don't remember working with people that just like manhandle cats. Yeah. Like, no. I, thankfully, thankfully I've been pretty fortunate. <laughs> fortunate. That, yeah. That, yeah. That the clinics I work with, you know, yes, there are some people that are definitely better with cats, mm -hmm. but you know, we, <laughs> the kitty wranglers, the cat wranglers, right? Yes. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> There's always a go-to. Yeah. I'm like, but it, but it is one of those things like those people usually have like more of a calming aura. Absolutely. When or, you know, whatever you want to call it. Calm, yeah. They just call like aura. Energy. Yeah. yeah. The calming energy with cats instead of, you know, getting ramped up and stress sweating anytime they yeah. get near a cat because <laughs> cats are reacting to that. So, and we, I mean, we all work yeah. with animals. Like we, we should understand that they can sense our fear. Like I have mm -hmm. a fear of being bit by a cat because yeah. I've had a bad experience, mm -hmm. but like, I also have a fear of dying by being bit by a cat. So that makes my handling skills <laughs> a lot better because I have a way of like knowing how to handle a cat better. Like, so there's a lot of situations where like we'll have like a fractious cat and I prefer to hold it because I, I'm in control and I, I can kind of push down my emotions enough for mm. the cat to feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. because I know I'm in control and I'm, I'm safe because I'm yep. protecting myself. Like, right. so I think, I mean, we all, like I said, we all work with animals. We should know how to if you're uncomfortable, state it. Like there's certain situations where I'm like, I'm uncomfortable handling this patient. Like Absolutely, I, yeah. I think someone else should do it. And I do that with cats all the time because again, like I don't, I try to limit myself, my experience around cats just to limit how crappy I feel. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah. And it, the less is more, we had a patient in this week actually. And his first couple of days there, his blood draws, like he would wiggle so much. And that's what made me ask the question, like, what do you do for those mm. difficult patients in front of yeah. clients? But then reading that dog's like body language when we did things, like he would try to bite us when being held down. He like, so then we'd like try to just gently put a muzzle on him. But then I was working with him by myself between like seven and 8am just cause that's what time I get there. And I'm, I'm doing inpatients by myself. I was like, well, let me just try things. Like, cause my doctor ordered lab work and he's like, well, wait for the other tech to come in. And I don't recommend everybody, like anybody do like blood draws by themselves, but this dog was a less is more. Yeah. Like, he stood mm. up, I held off his lateral saphenous vein and I drew blood by myself and he didn't move. He didn't try to bite. He didn't awesome. like, he was like, mm. this is great. Nobody's in my face. Nobody's holding me down. And yeah. it was the most yeah. smooth, seamless blood draw. I can't tell you how many situations there are with the large dogs who get extremely fearful in the hospital yeah. setting. Mm. And the second you try to restrain them in any way, they panic that much more. Yeah. 
I have so many of those cases that in the open hospital, it's brilliant because all we have to do is have them stand up, look at their owner, their owner pets them or gives them treats or peanut butter or whatever it is, keeps them distracted at the front end. We just use that back, that lateral saphenous, Mm -hmm. super easy. Like, and you can't quite do that on your own without the client present because I'm not going to be able to distract that dog at the front end the way the client can or reassure Mm -hmm. that dog on the front Mm -hmm. end the way the client can. Yeah, exactly. It's, but it's all a little bit of navigating, but there's also like, like we still use muzzles. Absolutely. Like, again, it's about making it personal and compassionate. I tell people our older family dog, now that he's deaf, he's the sweetest dog in the world, but he gets really reactive at the vet and I've started putting muzzles on him. He's never bit anyone, but I'd just rather be safe than sorry. And when Mm -hmm. someone hears that, it's like, okay, they're not assuming that my pet is like a horrible pet. They just like want to be safe. Well, if she puts one on her own dog, it must not be so bad. You know, like there's ways that we can relate to people and explain what we're doing in a way that is compassionate and makes it a little bit easier to swallow. Um, And those like difficult blood draws and things too. If you're explaining why it's difficult, sometimes that's all it takes. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, I've definitely had the talk with people where you have the cat that you're drawing from the medial saphenous and it's flowing like peanut butter down mm-hmm. your butterfly <laughs> needle. <laughs> yeah, and it's great. It feels like you're there for three hours drawing blood. <laughs> yeah. But all I have to explain is why is that happening? And then the client learns something and you've got something to talk about. So it fills the time and they understand it's not the cat's fault. It's not my fault. It's just anatomy. Like yeah, client education is often the answer and we're just not like taking it far enough is is the problem yeah Hmm. yeah i mean that definitely makes sense and also oh that remind me too because you were talking about that dog who was less is more Mm -hmm. i'm sure we all try to utilize our um medical record systems to Mm -hmm. make notes Mm -hmm. about what works for pets but we also know that we work in a fast-paced environment things can get chaotic. Sometimes if I figure out that the dog works well with a one person blood draw, I may forget or not have time to, or whatever, to put a pop-up note in that patient's record, right? The difference is when you've got the clients present, vast majority of time, they can tell you what works and I believe Mm. them. So I, we often like myself and, and many other technicians, when we go in to do a blood draw, we'll often be like, have you seen us draw blood on fluffy recently? Because sometimes they tell us, yeah, they had a really hard time with, they tried her neck. It didn't go over well, so they used her leg. Boom. I just skipped a step right there. And I'm just, yeah. gonna go, you know what I mean? Like, again, something that you wouldn't get if you didn't have the client present. That being said, I can also very easily explain to the client, she seems comfortable sitting in this position. Why don't we look at her neck and see if it's different this time? You know, like there's just, mm. there's so much, if you navigate it the right way, verbally, mm-hmm. people are much more comfortable. I think we don't give clients enough credit for what they're, what they're willing to trust us with. Hmm. I mean, yeah, that, that definitely makes sense. It's, it's very interesting to think about the different perspectives that I never thought to think about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, it was, so my question kind of to, to go on that is, did, did you, when you started at the clinic, were they already an open hospital or yes. did you transition into it? So they were already an open hospital, but I had no experience working in an open hospital whatsoever. <laughs> I came from a very standard clinic of 
you go over an estimate in the room and then you take the patient back to the treatment area, you do all the treatments and then you bring the patient back to the room where the client is waiting or back up to the front where the client is waiting and you tell them what was done. So mm -hmm. like that was totally my only, I had only ever worked at clinics that worked that way. So I think that's another thing is people go, oh my God, that's crazy and it sounds terrifying and I don't want to do that. But no one is expected, at least I like the way they do it at my hospital, no one's expected to jump in and go draw blood in front of a client on their first day, right? Mm -hmm. Like <laughs> you wouldn't even really make someone do that on their first day if it wasn't an open hospital. But it's totally a, you have to let people go at their own speed. I mm -hmm. always say like change can only be successful if you give it preparation and patience. <laughs> so preparing people with what to expect and scripts and ways to communicate with clients appropriately, but also giving it patience and letting people start doing things as they feel comfortable. So like I said, I started out, I think it was probably the first week that I was just restraining for people and seeing mm -hmm. how they did it. Mm -hmm. Cause like I felt totally confident doing those skills, but like it was just weird to do it in front of a client. And I didn't really know like, yeah, I'm not used to talking through it. And like, what do I say? Like, I can tell you all about a vaccine, but like, what do they really need to hear or want to hear? And so mm. the first week I just spent watching how were other people doing it and what was working well. And it's the same, like with the doctors, like one of the biggest questions I always get is like, so you really want, let them watch surgery? And like, there's a lot of responses to that. But one of the things is it's not like we have a brand new veterinarian come in and two <laughs> days into the job, do a splenectomy in front of a client. Like that just doesn't happen. Like right. it's, we do things at people's comfort level and that comfort level usually rises with time and experience. Yeah. Hmm. And I'm sure you get those clients though too, who probably do trust you from all your previous appointments mm -hmm. and to the point where they're like, I don't need to watch the surgery. Like I'll 100%. come back in a couple hours. I tell people that all the time because we give people the option, mm -hmm. more people decline it than I would have ever expected coming mm. into this. Um, and I think it goes along with the idea that if we're offering it, we've got nothing to hide. Yeah. They're, you know, like you're just you're building totally up trust. Welcome. And they're like, well, yeah. I guess, you know, it's not, but also like, I know that's another thing where I'm like, when you make it personal, people often as a veterinary technician, I've already been working on their pet in front of them. We've mm -hmm. already established a rapport. They often ask me, well, should I watch the surgery? And I always say, um, when my dog has her dental, I leave the building. I don't want to see her intubated or unconscious. It's really <laughs> freaky. It scares me. And I'm a veterinary technician. So if you're asking my personal opinion, I'd say no. And I would say, stay while we give her her pre-med. And then when they take her to induce her, she's not going to be conscious anyway. She's not going to know you there. You'll give her a big kiss as we roll her in. And then you'll be there when she's up and awake and you'll be there to reassure her. Like, And people take our recommendations. Same thing with mm. if we're having a difficult blood draw and we feel like maybe the pet is getting more stressed because their owner is there, because that absolutely happens too. The fact that we let the owner be there in the first place I find that people are much more willing to listen to us when we say, I'm wondering if your pet might be one of the ones that actually does better without you there. And they're mm -hmm. the vast majority of time willing to let us do the whole, take them in the back and then return them thing. Or even, you know, we always lead with, are you comfortable around needles? And there's plenty of people who say, no, I don't want to watch this. <laughs> take them away. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so yeah. So again, like even though we offer this open hospital, it's not like everyone wants to be there for everything. Like it's actually surprisingly common for people to not really care about being present or watching. Interesting. 
Do you, um, cause I, I know this is kind of a subject you've talked about a couple of times. Do you mm-hmm. have like, do you, do you have like a reference where like if somebody is interested in maybe getting it into their clinic that they can, cause you talked about like the scripts and stuff like that. So is there somewhere where they can go get more information on how to like think about bringing it to their clinic? I mean, question actually, um, hmm. off the top of my head, I can't think of one, but I'll get you guys something so you can okay. get into the podcast. Yeah, I was going to say, because yeah. I'm also doing a I think whole, it's so new. <laughs> yeah, I'm starting to do some talks on it. So um, I'm going to the Music City Veterinary Conference in oh, February cool. and doing nice. a talk on, I'll do one on all about the open hospital and sort of the pros and cons, and then I'll do a separate talk on just how to implement it. Oh, interesting. Oh, nice. Oh, awesome. Um, hopefully I'll be doing a little bit more of that kind of stuff so that like, the idea, like the idea gets in people's brains. Cause I also say like, you don't have to have a fully open hospital, like start with vaccines and nail trims, just do those in front of clients. And maybe that's all you feel comfortable with. And that's all you want to do. You yeah. still have added something that is so valuable to the clients. They learn more. It's so valuable to your patients. They're more comfortable. It makes your clients trust you more Then they're willing to come back to you for other services. Like you've done something very positive, something to reduce fear in your patients and your mm-hmm. clients, something to make everyone more comfortable, even if it's just vaccines and you never take it further than that. Mm. But from my experience, what will most likely happen is you realize, wow, this isn't so bad with vaccines. Maybe we should try it with anal glands or maybe we should try it (laughs) at some point with blood draws. And then quickly it'll build up and you realize "Hmm, it's actually not so bad. And we're actually saving a little time in the process. So nice. That's really cool. Yeah, that is like the, like I said, you, you did just kind of turn it to the point where I, I just never thought of what it could bring to the table, like for technicians themselves, but as for clients to really trust us and to really yeah. understand what we do, like you said. Um, so that is, it's pretty amazing to me. Well, and I always take it back to like, I mean, there's difficult, I mean, there are, for example, one thing that is a challenge about an open hospital is if you are introverted as I am and as are <laughs> many veterinary professionals, um, mm-hmm. being in front of clients constantly can be exhausting because mm-hmm. basically you're on all yeah. the time, right? And so something that can be especially exhausting is the clients who want to come and stay in the ICU all day long with their patients. On one hand, I love it because they get involved. They help me get the pet to eat. The pet feels more comfortable. So I'm able to do more with them. Like there's more communication about what's going on. So like we don't have to like do all these updates all the time. Like they're there, they're seeing what's going on. Like there's a lot of benefits, Mm -hmm. but it can be exhausting because I've now got to explain every single thing I'm doing, but it comes down to several things. There's several ways to manage that. But ultimately what would I remind myself in those moments that get frustrating or tiring is if this was birdie, if this was my chihuahua, what would I want? Um, And I would want to be there. I mean, how many of us do medical treatments on our own pets? Like I did birdies vaccines the other day in outpatient on my lunch break, right? Like, so why do we do that? Because we trust ourselves, because we want to be there, because, you know, our pets will be happier if we're there instead of someone else doing it. Like, why shouldn't other people get that too? Or even there are times when if that's not doing it for me, the other thing I'll think is, okay, I'm going to pretend this person is my mom and she doesn't understand what's it. Well, actually my mom's a bad example because she comes from medicine. So she doesn't understand. This person is my dad and it's his dog. And like, I would want him to be there and seeing what I'm doing to his dog and be there to like, try to get his dog to eat. Cause I know he's not going to eat for me. And so again, if you like kind of try to make it a little more personal, sometimes it helps. 
Yeah. You've got to have a why, I guess, ultimately is what it is. You have to know Mm. why you're doing it because it's going to take some more energy in the beginning. But if you have a good why, it keeps you going. Yeah. I do. I, I mean, it would be interesting because I do really enjoy discussing with clients and just educating them on like the disease process their dog's going through, just kind yeah. of what to look for or, and like potential complications. And then when they say things like I discharged a patient today and mind you, the dog had mast cell in his spleen. And so like, I'm not an oncology tech, like right. I don't, I don't know a lot, but like I was able to just adequately describe to this guy like what to expect from the prednisolone that he was going home on and just yeah. trying to mm-hmm. get him to eat and how to help and all the things he could try at home just to try to make his dog more comfortable. Right. The sense of like relief that I saw on that guy's face when mm-hmm. he like got his dog back and he felt com- like the dog stayed two extra days because dad was uncomfortable taking him home. Oh, yeah. So then when he came in and I talked to him, like you could see kind of a stress being lifted that he was just like, I can take him home. I'm going to try to feed him and like, this is going to be okay. And so I, I could see where on a daily basis where you're kind of interacting with clients that closely where that would be just a very rewarding, hmm. rewarding Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. It's, it's crazy rewarding. It is crazy exhausting, but yeah. it makes it worth <laughs> it. It's also, it gives clients a context for things like I personally am such a visual learner. Yeah. So like, if we send clients home with pain meds and we're like, okay, it might cause a little bit of drowsiness. Like, okay, great. Like, what does that mean for their dog? Versus if they're in the hospital with me while their pet is hospitalized and we're giving IV pain medication and I can say, yeah, see how he's kind of sleepy right now. Like that's most likely from the fentanyl or whatever it is. Like Mm. they've suddenly got context for this. Like they understand more of what's going on. They understand more of what happened. I always, (laughs) I always tell people the example, I'm sure I've mentioned this before to others that like, um, I'm sure we've all been there where like the pet comes in on emergency and it's like really critical and you're like, what's going on? They're like, oh, we took him to his normal vet yesterday and they took him in the back and they gave him a shot. And we're like, that is such a thorough history and so helpful Mm -hmm. (laughs) versus one of the things that blew me away about being in an open hospital was clients know exactly what we did because they watched us do it and like they retained that information. So like they can Mm -hmm. tell us like, they might not tell us like, they gave yesterday he was here, he got a Serenia injection, but they'll be like, yesterday I was here. They gave him some fluids and they gave him an anti-nausea med. It was, I think it was the one that stings because they saw it. And they, we talked them through the fact that this might sting when we give this to your dog. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there's context mm-hmm. suddenly. And I'm that type of learner. I know if someone just told me everything, I wouldn't, I wouldn't understand what was going on. So suddenly you have something to see and you retain so much more. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, it's got to be a little difficult though. Like you, cause you work in like an ER setting. So say you do have those clients who are just lingering with their pets all day and you're extremely busy. Yeah. It's got to be a little difficult to try to manage going back and forth between patients and trying not to rush. I mean, you, we shouldn't be rushing oh, giving absolutely. medications yeah. anyway, but we're busy and sometimes it does happen. So try to, yeah. trying to slow down and explain, I, I guess it would be helpful to a technician to take a breath and slow down and just be like, yeah, you know what? Well, I sh- should so, be pushing this medication a little bit slower versus yes. trying to get it in. It does ha- like there's multiple parts. Yes, it absolutely can add time in some ways because suddenly you've got to explain everything and that can get taxing when you're having one of those days where yeah. like, nothing will stop alarming and the treatments are just never done. <laughs> so right. absolutely. On the other hand, 
And again, I'm not like ruling out like, yes, there are absolutely difficulties. There's just some benefits you don't think about until you're there. So like one of the perks I love about having the clients in the ICU, for example, is I can say here, I've unhooked your pet. You take them out on a walk. Yeah. (laughs) Boom. I just saved myself three to five minutes. You know, I mean, obviously this is only with like relatively stable pets who can actually go outside to walk. Yeah. What I usually do is I take them out the first time, show them where to go, show them what to do. And then the second time I give them the key card and I say, okay, go on your way. Their pet's more likely to go to the bathroom with them. They're more comfortable. They know their, you know, keywords and things or what type of areas they like to pee in. And plus now I've got five more minutes to clean up the cage while they're out there or something. Um, Same with Mm -hmm. feeding. Instead of sitting in the cage for 10 minutes, trying to get this pet to get comfortable and eat and try all these different things, I hand it to the client and I say, get them to eat, you know, (laughs) like like that, but yeah, stick them in a room and try to get them. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and they're more likely to eat for their family than for me anyways. But now while that client is taking 10 minutes to try to get their pet to eat, I can spend 10 minutes doing something else. So there are times when it ends up being quite beneficial time-wise in that way. So, Hmm. yeah, there's also, there's a lot of times where I feel like we use, we have to use less, um, medications when it comes to sedatives and anti-anxiety medications, which is nice because Mm. the little nervous chihuahua, if they're sitting there on their mom's lap, they're totally quiet and calm versus the little nervous chihuahua that might be barking or crying. And then we've got to try trazodone and all these other things. And then that's one more stress. And then that's adding um, audible stress to the entire space, which is stressing out your other patients. Like there's, there's a lot of different ways that this sort of rolls into some different benefits and stuff. I think it'll be, I think it'll be really interesting to see, you know, kind of where the open hospital thing goes. Cause I, I yeah. do think, I think it is going to be more common. Yeah. Um, I don't think every hospital is going to do it, but I think, I think right. it is one of those things where, you know, the, the try it and see how it works and it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. You know, and that's what I'm like, goes, you know, just start cool. small. Don't just like mm-hmm. jump into it like crazy. Like, Offer nail trims with owner's present and see what happens kind of thing. You know, like Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be an all or nothing situation. It also doesn't have to be like a, we're doing this forever situation. You can do things on a trial basis, but it will be interesting. My, my mother was a a neonatal intensive care unit nurse for Mm. well over 30 years. And I have a lot of respect for her, but it was interesting because we could relate on a lot of things because Mm -hmm. her patients can't talk and she's Mm -hmm. working through the parents. Same with her. And they, at the time, um, they were opening up their visiting hours. So they were to the point where they were having parents able to spend the night at the hospital. Mm. And we would talk about how that can be both difficult and beneficial. Like suddenly like the mom can nurse the baby depending on how stable it is instead of you sitting there having to feed the baby. But like at the same time, now you've got family members asking questions when it's three o'clock in the morning and you're on overnight shift. Yeah. Right. There's a lot of pros and cons, but, um, we get to set the rule, you know, like, so that's the nice part is like, we get to make the rules of what's going to work for our specific hospital and our specific kind of setup, you know? Well, and it seems like, it really seems like from your explanation of it, that there really is just more pros to it. And like, yeah, you're going to have some of those difficult clients who I'm sure are going to be like, he'll do better if I hold. Right. And like, exactly. <laughs> so I'm sure that'll yeah. come up, but yeah, it, it's very, 
interesting to just kind of put it in perspective and then to see it actually work is, is really yeah. cool. I always say like that, that's a perfect example of like, you know, going into it. I was like, okay, well, yeah, every client is going to want to hold their dog. And like, I'm not comfortable with that doing a blood yeah. draw, Right. But like, mostly what I say, and like, again, this is like what I mean by scripts is like, instead of being like, no, I need to hold your dog. All I say is actually, I'd like to hold your dog so I can have you at your dog's face so he can actually see you and you can talk to him. Cause I think it'll make him more comfortable. Yeah. Mm, That's all yeah. you need. You know, like it's yeah. not, you just redirect people in the right where they're going to be most helpful. And yeah. Awesome. So yeah. Well, that right. was, yeah, I, that's definitely interesting to really think about, but I guess kind of putting, going back a little bit on this, like what mm -hmm. compelled you to become a veterinary technician? So like, obviously you're very, very passionate about the open yeah. hospital and, and communicating <laughs> with clients. And like, <laughs> I couldn't tell. I couldn't have, it seems a little, have, yeah. Sometimes I like it. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, I don't know. I definitely was one of the people who took like a roundabout path to get there and thought I wanted to do other things, but I was always a little bit interested in medicine, probably growing from growing up with a mother who was in medicine and in nursing. And I saw what an impact she made. And then I finally was like, I don't know. I always loved animals just like most of us do. Yeah. I don't know. I gave it a shot and I got lucky. I, I, I honestly like can't even, so I'm pretty bad at answering that question because sometimes I think back and I'm like, what was it about being an undergrad and being a dance major that made me suddenly go out and get a volunteer <laughs> role at a veterinary hospital. I don't remember what went through my head, <laughs> but I just remember I missed the science and the medicine and all that stuff. And I missed being around animals. And so I gave it a shot and it, like, I ended up becoming very in love with it very quickly, but it's also, it's fulfilling too. Like I always think, okay, this is kind of morbid, but like, you know, they always say like, what are you going to think about when you're like laying on your deathbed one day? And like, I'm going to be able to feel like I really did something really, really valuable. You know, yeah. like I didn't like sell shoes. Like I like saved <laughs> lives or even if I didn't save lives, like I impacted lives. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's like when you, you know how we always get that question. Like when people are like, oh, I just couldn't handle putting animals to sleep. We're like euthanizing. Right. Like, you know how everybody's always like, how do you handle that? And like my response to that is always, I'm ending a sort of suffering. Like we're not just euthanizing yes. animals just because, I mean, I understand that that happens in shelter medicine, but I, I don't think I could handle that. And like, I understand Same. why it happens, mm -hmm. right? but the, I, there's a reason why I don't work in shelter medicine. Same. <laughs> but for my patients, I'm ending a suffering. We know that we've tried and we kind of have given it our all. And yeah, sometimes like people can't financially give it our all, mm -hmm, but like mm -hmm. for the most part, like I'm still making the pet feel better. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So I, I think that's interesting. So we would like to know from you, what is one of your favorite veterinary resources? And this could be a book, a website, a podcast, a course, you know, a person. kind of the sky's the limit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The per yeah. person. Exactly. Um, what's something that, um, you know, maybe it's one of your go-tos or you recommend it frequently two. I have two answers because I can't narrow it down to one. That's one <laughs> is I really like, yes, I'm biased, but I genuinely have really been loving the, um, cone of shame podcast with Dr. Oh, Annie yeah. work. And because it really is you guys. And I had just talked about this before we started recording, but about how sometimes when podcasts are 
geared more towards doctors. It's just like, it's not quite the information I'm looking for mm-hmm. versus the Cone of Shame podcast is so like a, anyone could listen to this and learn something. Like I could even say like CSRs would benefit from it. Like nice. it's very digestible information. It's quick and concise, which is definitely up my alley because I have a very short attention span. <laughs> And it's like literally like cases, like, how do you treat that? Like a dog walks in with this. How do you treat that? And I love that. So that's one that I've really been uh, enjoying, even though I'm biased. Um, (laughs) And then the other one, okay, this is going to sound so cheesy, but like my all-time favorite resource is the doctors I work with because they are (laughs) incredible. And I could also very easily loop in the technicians I work with too, um, I'm definitely not the most senior veterinary technician at my work. There are some incredible technicians I work with who have been wonderful resources to me, especially when I made the transition to go from um, ER and sort of like outpatient general practice stuff to more ICU and ER stuff. I had a mm. lot to learn um, because they were doing a lot more advanced stuff at my current hospital than they were at my last hospital. Um, so the technicians became a huge resource for me and then learning the more, like some of the more intricate parts of some of these disease processes. I love asking the doctors that might not be the case for everyone, but I feel very fortunate that the hospital I'm at currently, the doctors are so willing to teach us and to answer our questions, obviously at appropriate times, but, um, yeah, yeah, I I love when you can be able to do that. Yeah. Well, it's that incredible. and like to work in a place too, where your fellow technicians are supportive, like it's oh, absolutely. like, it doesn't happen all the time. Like, yeah. I, so what Kelsey's saying is she works at a unicorn clinic guys. Yes, I she do. does. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just recently our, our family dog chase, he's getting on in his years and he had had a little series of like weird medical things. So we had been into the hospital multiple times and we had been in I think at least five times in a short period of time. And at one point my mom commented, she was like, because every time like we'd be in the exam room, I'd be like, okay, so it's going to be Dr. Thompson or it's going to be Dr. Claire seeing him today. I'm so excited because I really love them. I'm really glad it's them seeing it. And she was like, you realize every single time here, <laughs> you've said, I love this doctor. I'm so glad that they're seeing him. Or I love this tech. I'm so glad they're the one doing the blood draw. Like, and I'm like, oh, you're right. I have said that. So yeah, it is a little bit of a <laughs> awesome because I think, I mean, the things that, that I particularly love are the open hospital, but also like the people I work with are very smart. I trust their medicine. I learn so much from them and they're willing to teach me, which is like, I mean, yeah, that's everything. I mean, that's what keeps us going too. I mean, we were just talking about getting VTSs, learning new things, going to conferences. Like that's mm-hmm. what keeps us going, you know, and yeah. keeps us excited about what we're doing. Yeah, exactly. You got to yeah. freshen it up every now and then. And if you just yeah. become stagnant, it's, it's hard. Yeah. Like it's hard <laughs> to... My argument is always it benefits the doctors too. The more oh, they definitely. teach me, the more I can relate yeah. to clients and the less they have to answer. You know? Exactly. So, Save some time. Percent. Oh my exactly. God. Yes. <laughs> They're like, no, really, let's info dump into you. Exactly. I can especially get that working in specialty med. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> it is one of the, the nice things about being in specialty medicine, but it's also one of the things that's it takes a while until you understand sometimes yeah. what they're talking oh, about. Imagine. Well, yeah. since yeah. I got my VTS now, my doctor's like, well, VTS girl now can go and yes. discuss this, <laughs> this disease <laughs> with this client. I'm oh like, my God. It's so true. Oh, he totally, he totally like just 
sucks it all up and then just like uses it and he's like jordan you go into this room and i'm like like, thanks yeah Yeah. he's like i told them the bad news now go discuss everything else do everything else yeah exactly it makes me feel really smart just the fact that like he's also like a board certified specialist who trusts Mm -hmm. me to handle that and discuss it with his clients so yes absolutely i'm smart enough to do that like it's great (laughs) (laughs) i love when you have like that kind of a relationship with the doctors that you work with yeah Yeah, like he trusts me enough to like handle the patients like and really like take a step back Mm -hmm. which is nice tech utilization yes Yes, that'll be the next uh part of this vet tech career of ours is yeah tech tech utilization is huge yes yeah what are you not very good at, Kelsey? Tell uh, us all your okay. evil secrets. Does it need to be vet med related? No. Okay. No. Uh, this sleeping. is a fun question. I'm really bad at sleeping. <laughs> okay. That's <laughs> hence your prescription. It's literally the worst thing. Like I'm horrible at it. I also don't have very much patience. That's something I work on regularly for myself. Mm. Um, I'm not good at running. Oh, I can't cook. I cannot. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) Because I'm too tired to run. Um, I can't cook. I literally cannot cook for the life of me. I'm really hoping that someday I find um, a partner who can cook really well because I really like to clean and then there will be some type of even trade-off. But until then, um, I literally had Pop-Tarts for breakfast and Doritos for lunch. So that's what we're working with. Nice. Maybe that's why you can't sleep. You're like, hot tarts, Doritos. What did you have for dinner, girl? We haven't gone that far yet. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, and vet med wise, NG tubes. Honestly, like that's a weakness of mine. Oh, it's something I I'm still them. really. Okay. So I like my thing about them is that I had an NG tube once when I was a little kid and I was having yeah. these GI problems and oh. I can like distinctly remember how horrible it felt. And so now I just get like really like mm, weird about it. You know what I mean? You get all squidgy. You're like, I'm all nope, sensitive nope. about it. Yeah. I'm also yeah. not good at looking through puke because puke is my weakness. Oh. So. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. I can't well, put really good at sifting through vomit on my resumes, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that's awesome <laughs> uh, plenty of not goods <laughs> oh my god it's awesome i love it i love it okay so she's not perfect as much as we think she is <laughs> Aww, kelsey you're pretty damn you. close though oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> i know you sing your attack i mean gosh it's amazing. all right well if you're able to give us a brief rundown if you can give us like a little hint as to maybe your next prescription your next project like just a little tiny something to look forward to a little okay. teaser what you got i don't know if this will be out before or after but i'm very excited because i do have an upcoming new song <gasps> it's a parody and best of all it is in collaboration with Tristan Moore, who is Dr. Moore's student vet on Instagram and Facebook. Nice. And he's someone who also does like, vet, he does some really great parodies and stuff. And um, he happens to be doing one of his rotations out um, near us in the Bay Area. And so we collaborated on a song that I'm very excited about. Yay. <laughs> so, Ooh, that's so exciting. <laughs> that's all when, I'm saying. <laughs> when is it supposed to come out? It's probably early this next coming week. So I don't know, maybe Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, oh, something like that. Oh, so well. Ooh. So if you edit fast, you'll be first to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, ladies, 
I'm so excited we got to hang out. <laughs> this has been a blast. I I'm thank you, Kelsey, by the way, for coming on the podcast yeah, and being our first guys. actual interview. Um, it was super fun. I like to be the one to break it in. You know? Yeah. I mean, you know, we're gonna aim <laughs> high. We get that tech Kelsey to come on over. Um, oh, speaking of, do you want to give us all your social media like places where people can find you? Um, we'll put oh, yeah. the links in the the notes as well, but just, um, you know, some people want to look it up really quick. Yes. I'm on Facebook and Instagram as Vet Tech Kelsey. And Kelsey That's is spelled oh, K-E-L-S-E-Y. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. just in case. Um, and then you also have your website. I have a website. Okay. It's still under uh, construction a little bit, AKA I almost finished it and then I haven't touched it for six months. So, um, <laughs> it's vettechkelsey.com and hopefully by the time you go to it, I will have gotten my life together and finished it. <laughs> I'm not even going to lie. It looks good. Okay, I would okay. have known that it was under better. construction girl. I need to hang out Own with you it. guys more. You make me feel so good about myself. Oh. <laughs> well, next time you're in South Carolina, let me know and I'll stalk you again. So I, do. <laughs> I mean, I live really close to you and I may just be like, hey, can I just come see your open hospital with you? Perfect. I'm into it. Yeah. Like a shadow day. <laughs> yeah. I'll be like terrified. And then people will be like, why are you terrified? I'll be like, because. Yeah. So go back to your hospital like it was nothing like she said. <laughs> <laughs> Clients were just horrible. running around crazy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this one man had his shirt off. He was streaking oh, down the hallway. It was Clients were scrubbing experience. into surgery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, someone no hugged me. It was weird. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> ladies, um, I'm going to say we'll, we'll head out for the day. Thank you very much, Kelsey. We will totally hang out at some point. Deal. Um, Hold you to it. Sounds good. All right, you guys <laughs> have a good night. Peace. Have a good week. And we will talk at you guys next week. All right. Bye guys. Bye. bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you like what you heard, we'd love for you to share with someone you think might enjoy the podcast and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Want to give us a boost? Please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher and we'll be sure to say thank you. Find out everything about us at internalmedicineforvettechs.com. Talk to you next week. Bye.